TED Audio Collective. Hey everyone, we're so glad you're here, but just a quick warning, we do drop a couple F-bombs in this episode, as usual. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and this is Chapter 4 of ZigZag, a podcast about changing the course of capitalism, journalism, and women in tech. We're exploring these very big ideas through our own personal story. At this point, it's late April, and Jen and I still don't have enough money coming in to pay ourselves. We're moms. Not having paychecks was giving us stomach aches and eye twitches. Was it time to nail down a plan B, a financial backup? Or is this just how startups work? You just got to knuckle down and wait out the uncertainty. We go looking for those answers in this episode, Chapter 4. Specifically, we pitch, well, sort of, a well-known angel investor, and then go see the co-founder of Radiotopia, Roman Mars, to find out how he built his podcasting empire. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at... <laughs> 3 a.m. The office was shocked. But that's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. <laughs> yeah. Where are we going? Where are you going? This is me and my husband, Josh. Not to be confused with Josh Benson, our blockchain matchmaker from Chapter 1. You need to go have a little vacation from your family? Not exactly. It is really early on a Sunday, and we're in the car on our way to the airport. He was going to Puerto Rico. Going with Governor Cuomo. Why are you speaking so slowly? Because it is 5.12 in the morning, (laughs) and it's taking me a little time to formulate my words. Josh covers politics for a local TV news station. We have two kids, but don't worry, my mom was home with them as we scattered ourselves across the globe. I was going to San Francisco. What are you doing out there again? Okay, so I'm going out there, well, for a multitude of reasons. We're going to pitch an angel investor, a first for me. We're going to hang out with Roman, Roman Mars, for the day, tomorrow, in Oakland. What do you think of my whole endeavor so far? Are you worried about any uh, aspects of it? No, worried is too strong a term. I mean, I'm happy for you. I'm psyched for you. I'm kind of like just sort of following along. I mean, we like we've been both very busy. Like you haven't seen my office, despite the fact that it's a block away. <laughs> so instead, <laughs> we're having the conversation at five fourteen on the way to the airport. It's our special time, Josh. We should just get up every Sunday morning around 4 and take a ride to the airport and back. (laughs) Yes. Josh has been super supportive of me doing this startup thing. I texted our little chat to Jen, who was also headed to the airport, to meet me for our flight. That was really cute, you guys. Marriage is fascinating. I assume that Josh, like, knew every detail for some reason of what's going on with you right now. So that's pretty funny. And... That's badass that you guys both are like, eh, we, we're both going to do our thing. So fully support.
Josh and I are really lucky to have families who live nearby who help out a lot. Jen doesn't have that. Most people don't. But that wasn't stopping both Jen and I from worrying how we were going to make this podcast and run a business. We needed a team. And that takes more than a cryptocurrency that doesn't exist yet. It takes cash. Which is why Jen and I decided to go on a reconnaissance mission. A trip to San Francisco. To see if we could find a backup plan. A plan B. Because that's what responsible adults do these days. They don't put their savings on the line. They get rich people to invest in their business. Right? So far, we'd lost our first grant. That was chapter one that we'd been counting on. That was awful. Then we'd gotten this other small grant that was half in real money and half in cryptocurrency that still didn't exist yet. It was like ziggity, zaggity, woo, woo. But like, maybe it was time to find some stability by having an investor. Or would that just create bigger problems? We weren't sure. Jen and I had done our fair share of reporting on tech companies that put their profits ahead of basic humanity to appease shareholders. But there's also the good side to Silicon Valley. Big ideas can happen because people believe in them and back them with big money. Okay, we just landed. Um, Here's our plan. It's jam-packed. We were meeting with an angel investor named Jess Varelli that afternoon. Um, And I guess we're going to pitch her, right? Yeah, yes, we're pitching her. <laughs> we're going to tell her our plans. Yeah. See if she gets it. Yeah. Hopefully she will. Yeah. And then, you know, say what are the next what are, what's the next move? A couple hours and a shower later. Okay, we are walking down 3rd Street in the Mission to a coffee place to meet Jess Varelli. Who's Jess Varelli? She was an early development strategist at Twitter. You've done your homework, Jen Poyan. We got to the coffee shop where we were going to meet Jess a little early. And we just could not stop talking about what we had seen on our walk to the coffee shop. It's definitely the most extreme version of wealth disparity that I've ever seen in America. Yeah, look down and person after homeless person is lying in the streets. Look up and there are spiffy, extremely wealthy people zipping by on motorized scooters in their athleisure wear. Jen and I had to abruptly end our conversation about the economics of San Francisco because Jess had arrived. We all agreed that the cafe was way too noisy. Really? Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, can we get you something to take over? I'm okay. Do you guys want a coffee? I'm gonna get something. So we grabbed some iced coffees to go and went down the block to Jess's apartment building. Sir, thank you. She said we could talk in the conference room by the lobby. Anyway, so um, it's industrial. Was this this? It's San Francisco, so apartment buildings have conference rooms. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jessica Varelli. We were connected through a mutual friend, Crystal Saka, who I've known for a long time. And I am a founding partner of Hashtag Angels, which is an investment collective I co-founded with five other women three years ago. And I spent my career working in Silicon Valley at Twitter over eight and a half years and started my career actually also working for a venture capital firm. We were, frankly, initially very um, resistant. Res- resistant, or maybe not resistant, but we had skeptical. reservations or yeah. skeptical about getting going for investment at all because we were a little worried about having to push for these returns. Yeah. Sort of aligning incentives between yeah. the investors. Yeah. That is a smart question for you to ask. I think that is a mark of a, you know, a really thoughtful founder, which is, 
essentially, how do I make sure the vision or expectations and hopes I have for my company align exactly. with the expectations of an investor? Right. Um, which is a great question to ask and something that you do want, you want to spend a lot of time making sure you get that right. So we're kind of obsessed with it. Like we're, we talk about it all the time. Um, venture capital is a great way to finance if you want hyper growth. And so hyper growth, hyper growth, not to be obtuse about this is, is the rate of growth and the, um, like we want to grow. That's going to take anywhere from one to five years. I would imagine Mm -hmm. for us to launch three shows and then spin those off into those different multi-platforms, that's growth. But I guess the question is the maybe the exit strategy right. or do we, you know, would we be expected to exit all of those questions about like, what's, what do the investors want back? But, but I like guess. what level of growth is expected? And do we have to know all of that at the beginning? Generally, if you're raising venture capital, mm-hmm. um, investors are looking, um, are looking for a business that they believe can transform an industry. Mm-hmm. Was this a pitch or more like a tutoring session? I guess my hope, and I want to be, you know, upfront about it, is that we do have investors who care as deeply as we do about the, you know, the societal impact of the stuff that we make. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really important to me. I mean, I, I definitely want to be big because I think these ideas need to be big, and they're big ideas. But I also think, like, is there room for that to be? Um, At this point, Jen kicked me under the table. Conscientious. By accident, she told me later. But at the time, I thought she wanted me to shut up. I think so. I think it's all about finding that right fit with an investor. And given how important that is to you, and given that might trump uh, growth, I think being as exactly as you are, being rather explicit about what your goals are for this and what success looks like to you is going to help you find an investor that um, where that aligns. And I think, Do you know anyone? Like, does this sound like far-fetched to you? Or are you like, wait, was this weird that we were kind of pitching someone to fund our work, which would basically criticize the tech platforms that they had also funded? <laughs> um, I think these people exist. I think I want to spend a little bit more time with you on um, the ambition for what you want to build and yeah. what that business and scale might look like. Yeah. This phase should be all about building the product and getting feedback from customers. If you need money right now, then you have to think a little bit about like, okay, what is the right source to, whether it's revenue or grants or seed funding. But if you have a little bit of time before you're back in a fundraising mode. Uh, I don't think we do. No. I think we need seed funding. Yeah. I mean, grants, like we can, we're, we're in the we're process of applying, but they take time to, mm-hmm. to get. To happen. It's just like the process is very often very bureaucratic. Um, and we might have sponsorship. I mean, we will have sponsorship. But that takes time um, to, you know, you need the shows out. to come out uh-huh. until the sponsorship money so like comes this, in. We're definitely going to have to go into debt unless we get some seed funders. I think that's basically what... No, that's correct. Yeah, for sure. She hadn't looked at her watch yet, but did Jess think we were wasting her time? Truthfully, you all are taking most of the risk here, and so it's about finding the right alignment with folks that believe in you mm-hmm. and believe in what you're building. Mm-hmm. So friends and family round may be possible. Mm-hmm. What you've shared so far does seem like something where um, the impact investors might be the better fit, but I don't want to jump to that conclusion until sure. we've had a chance to like, really like, talk through that. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like you have an incredible background to do this. You've been successful doing this in your prior roles, and so I would ask you to like, can I take a look at that? Could I listen to that? Could I hear some of that Mm -hmm. feedback? Try to validate that that's true. And then the open question though is like, how big of a business is this? Mm -hmm. Is this the next like 
massive like global media company? Is this the seed of something that can be really big? Mm -hmm. And um, is that what they want to build? Mm -hmm. Do they believe there's a path to doing that? Okay, so if we were going to do that, could we? What, how quickly could we come back and do that? This week? Really? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Really? Yeah, of course. Oh. Okay, so I think what we should do is go talk and decide whether we want to do that. Well, I think we definitely want to do that. Don't we definitely want to do that? <laughs> okay, I just yeah, wanted to I make mean, sure. I mean, we definitely want to do that. We're <laughs> partners, so I yeah, wanted to yeah, make yeah. sure that you wanted to do it because I want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. You're super welcome. Nice to meet you both. Jen and I walked out of our meeting with Jess and kind of stumbled, stunned, into the waning light of a crisp spring evening in San Francisco. What a weird experience. We had presented a united front to a venture capitalist, but meanwhile, our brains had been talking to each other like ESP. Don't do this. Do this? Do we want to do this? I don't know. Don't do this. All right. That was exactly two hours. She said, it, she said she'd meet with us for two hours, and she met with us for exactly two hours. Since that meeting, by the way, Jess has been named the newest partner at the Google-backed venture capital firm GV. So at least she knew what she was doing. Jen and I needed to debrief and eat dinner. Ooh, the frisée salad and more bacon dressing sounds good. Mm. Yeah, one main course or any appetizers? I think just the, just, I think just just the main, main course. course. Yeah. I feel like that was bad. <laughs> like a disaster. You do? Why do you feel why do you feel that way? That's so interesting. It's because it's not we I think in our guts, she knew and we knew that it's not the right fit. Like you were like, I definitely want to pitch this. And I was like, oh, I'm surprised. I felt uh pretty out of my comfort zone. Sure, me too. Well, we've you know, we've stayed in the media business like we both like it and we like the people who are in it and we like the emphasis on ideas as opposed to valuation and I just don't want to be thinking about money like to me the greatest luxury is not to be thinking about money all the time we can't we're business people now we have to I understand that but my goal then is to get to where I don't have to think about money my goal is not to like have caps and Cap tables. Yeah, and all of that. It's really not. Like, I don't think. Like, I really I really care very much about, like, making stuff with you and feeling that creative wonder and, like, people feeling moved by the things that we make. And, like, that matters a lot to me. Oh, it matters to me, too. I just don't oh, know how we're going to do it. That leads me to, okay, this wasn't right. Like, do we even want to go back and actually try and pitch her? I mean, it sounds like no. In the short term... She kind of said, like, grants and family and friends. Right. I think the bigger thing is what we're going to do. Like, we work our asses off until we launch this show, and then we go back to, like, a model where we just see where the sponsorship comes and we grow it way slower together. And there's no, like... Is there shame in that? I feel like we feel like there's shame in that. No, but I just... What scares me is Dan keeps telling us that that's not possible. Dan was a business consultant who was helping us project future budgets and revenue. I mean, seriously, we need to have this entire conversation over again with Roman tomorrow. Yeah. 
It's gonna be it's gonna be completely different. I don't think there's any shame in that. That's essentially going back to like the real bootstrapping model, and then seeing where we go from there. Dude, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Which is fine with that? Yes, I'm totally fine with it. All right then. It's weird how you, you, I feel like, you know, there's something about San Francisco that's so utilitarian in many ways. There's not a ton of soul. Oh, that makes me so happy you said that. Right? It really, really? does. It does? Yeah. Really? Yes, dude. I'm, you know I'm very much about soul. I mean that, like, in the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Not like Aretha Franklin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other thing that's so strange is that we believe so wholeheartedly in, like... We are women. We could do this. Why don't we take that opportunity? This is crazy not to, but it's not right for us. And that's hard. That's why it feels like a disaster to me because I'm like, (laughs) it does feel like a disaster. Let me be clear. You know what I'm realizing? It's like part of me was like, yes, we'll pitch you because I think I'm so worried about letting you down money-wise. You're taking a, like, you're taking a- I'm worried about the same thing, dude. You're, I'm taking a big risk, but you're, you've invested a lot already into it. So I'm worried about the same thing. I mean, it's not like we don't have some money coming in. Right, right. Don't forget the tokens. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget the tokens. Oh, that looks yummy. Great. And I want to eat one Thank of your you. french fries. Thank you so much. Yes, please. That looks beautiful. Wow, so good. We really wanted financial support to make our mission-based journalism possible, and we really wanted honesty from each other. Right now, we had the latter. In a minute, Roman Mars, co-founder of Radiotopia, the man with the most soothing voice in your podcast app, host of 99% Invisible, and potentially our financial advisor. I mean, do you have a year saved? Can you live without making any money? I definitely cannot. Yeah. I have like two months maybe left. Okay. Zigzag, we'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is Zigzag. I'm Anoush Zamarodi. And you've probably heard us say that we are proud members of Radiotopia at the end of the first three episodes. Some might say that we have rapper P.O.S. to thank for our entree into that awesome podcasting collective. Last year, he put out a song called Wearing a Bear, and he gave shout-outs to me and Radiotopia's co-founder, Roman Mars. Cup holder, old warm flat soda, but the passenger is ice cold, pushing down the pressure. Then when I die, I'll get a hashtag. A shit better. Now Jen and I were the newest members of Radiotopia, and that meant we owned all our work. I had hung out with Roman before, but he and Jen had never met. And when he suggested that we come out to spend the day with him, we were both super psyched. Ira Glass, Jad Albumrod, Roman Mars. These are the great names in narrative audio storytelling. So it was kind of like going to kiss the ring. Except all of them are public radio nerdy cool, so not really. Enter code to place call. But anyway, that morning, Jen and I were most definitely not cool. Motherfucker. Just getting into the building seemed to be a struggle for us. Hi, 
Hi there. I'm trying to um, get in touch with uh, Roman Mars. Do you know which floor he's on? I'm so sorry. Thanks. That conversation with Jess must have rattled us more than we knew. Start. We have the code. I know, but... Oh. (laughs) We have the code. We have the code. Okay, let's try now. Here we go. Yes! (laughs) Fuck, you know. That's it. This is it. Wow, it's nice. Good. We're Manoush and Jen, and we're here oh, to see Roman. Awesome. This is Jen. Hi. Hi. It's so nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you, too. We got right into it with Roman. Dude, we've had, like, an insane 24 hours. When did you arrive? Yesterday. And then we had, like, an epiphany last night. Oh, goodness. But we need your help, because... Oh, we're already recording. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're full on. He'd been a public radio producer, making shows, barely making any money, when podcasting started taking off about five or six years ago. He went to PRX, and they decided to just concentrate on that, form a collective where the podcasters owned their work. They'd stop worrying about making radio shows and make a business out of podcasting, or at least a decent living, still doing great public radio-style content. Roman and Radiotopia had done one of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns in the history of Kickstarter. I am Roman Mars. I am the host of 99% Invisible, and I am the co-founder of Radiotopia from PRX. And we're sitting in your office. Yes, in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. Roman had definitely taken some big financial risks in his time. I mean, to me, it's just like it's a business like any other. So you make enough money to pay a salary or two, and then you see... And you make enough money to add another person, add another person. Then you make enough money to have money left over to, you know, reap the benefits of owning a thing. And it took me, you know, I've been doing 99PI for almost eight years. And the way it operated in the beginning was that I didn't pay myself. I mean, were there moments where you were like, fuck, what if this doesn't work? I just feel like you can always get a job. Right. So what does failure mean in this case? Mm. Failure means you do the thing that everyone else does. That's not really failure, right? Right. That's, so, that's true. So like, I don't know. I, that didn't, I feel more scared of it now <laughs> than really? I did then. Yeah, because I have 10 employees. And then, and then Radiotopia itself, like a lot of the revenue that operates Radiotopia is the percentage of my show because my show brings in a lot of ad revenue. And so, like, now I feel like, well, now I, I better keep hustling. It's, like, different. We've been struggling to decide how to fully fund the show yeah. um, or to yeah, to decide, I, I suppose. We've been talking about whether we should seek out investment or get grants or yeah. just make the thing and then get the sponsorship that way. And well, like, a huge part. I mean, you should do all of it right. in a way in terms of Radiotopia fundraising. Because we have a model which supports shows that can't support themselves completely as advertising-based, um, we we really need donations to support the the slate, like the whole slate of shows, and and we and we have to do that. To me, is like that's how we make art, like rather than chase commerce. Right. What you just said, art rather than commerce, kind of sums up 
the soul searching that you and I have been doing, Jen. So the question that we keep getting is, what do you want? It depends what you want. What do you want? Well, what do you want? <laughs> and it's like, um, I think we're getting closer to knowing what we want. Well, I think it's because Manoush was starting to succeed in these ways where she was being asked to speak. She was doing the TED Talk. So we could naturally see a model that would work that was bigger than just a show. Mm-hmm. We are about to document this experience, both of making mm-hmm. the show, making this business, mm-hmm. all of the different choices that we're just talking about, right? And it feels very vulnerable to admit all of this on tape. Yeah, I can see that. I'm glad I wasn't documenting <laughs> <Yeah>. my <term. laughs> Especially pub- publicly as two women to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also, yeah, I, I get that, and I get that that's a risk. But you also, you're going to get a lot of strength from that, too. Again, it's like this. It's just this balance of risk and reward, and you have greater risk and yes, lots of but reward. Yeah, the reward could be big, right? It could be big, and also it's just like I fully believe that your goal in life is to live an extraordinary life, like live a weird life. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think there's a, there are a lot of women out there that need to hear other women doing this. You know, we've asked for a lot of advice from a lot of people, and every bit of advice when it comes to business seems to be like, well, the way a business works, like, you're not going to be able to do this. <laughs> like, we've had a lot of people kind of say, like, it's not going to work. And well, it, de- it depends on what type of business you have or want. I, I totally, what I think. What do you want, Jen? What do you want? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> no, but like, you know, like, media is a bad startup and a good business. Mm. Because it doesn't return money the way they want it to and if you do you have to grow and make things that you don't care about but if you just want to make a show and pay yourselves you can do that that is not that steep hill to climb you could do that and then from there you begin to go i think that you follow your gut when it comes to that stuff and personally i think that there's no money without strings attached the only money i've ever that has strings attached that i like is money from the audience um Okay, so I'm going to be very, uh, like, uh, businessy and paternal or something. <laughs> How much you got saved? I mean, do you have a year saved? Can you live without making any money? I definitely cannot. Yeah. I have, like, two months maybe left. Okay. So is that asymmetry in your needs? Does that cause a tension in your choices? I would say it did at the beginning where I was like, well, if I'm going to invest in the company, I want to own more of it. And Mm -hmm. Jen said no. (laughs) Um, I worry that like— Her risk is higher. I mean, there's a way you're putting in different things. Yeah. Right. I mean, if the company can never pay me back, that's— Yeah. That'll be its own thing. What's money for? That's what I kind of think. I mean, really, money is freedom. That's what it's for. I mean, the hard part of ownership is that the— the runway has to be kind of long yes. before you get to the point where it's sustainable. And if the runway is short, then it actually, it fucks with the sustainability. I think we're trying to figure out what's the minimum we can pull in through all of these various funding sources if we're not going to do the VC thing mm-hmm. and still sustain ourselves um, until that runway gets long enough for it to become really sustainable. I mean, that's the thing. You have to be prepared to recognize when it's not working. But just think, think, think like, what is it? It's kind of easy if you don't have a lot of other pressures 
to hold on to something that you maybe shouldn't be holding on to? What would make you sunset this whole thing? That's a really good question. Yeah, but you know, it's that is so hard to answer because if you had asked me that about note to self, I wouldn't have. I mean, shit happens and you have no idea. Yeah. What would make me sunset this whole thing? Is it a better opportunity? It's like. No, because this is the. This, this is, is the, the best opportunity. But let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you just make 99 PI forever? Like. Well, I wonder that too. I've given myself a, a dead, a kind of a timeline of I need to make it as successful as possible. I'm 43 now. Um, I don't know if the end of it is going to happen when I'm 50. I think I would probably go your route faster. Like right now, we're people are doing projects inside of the right, group of right. 99% Invisible, which will be new things for the world. And I can't really talk about them, but we could say this much, okay? And I could imagine that my life is not hosting a show, but, you know, running a shop. And also, it's just like, I feel myself more tired than I ever have. And I just can't, I can't work this hard forever. Roman, thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, I thank had fun. you very well, much. Like, not just for the interview, but like, you guys are taking a chance. <laughs> oh, no, but it's a good chance. Like, it's like, that's the thing. It's like, it's more your chance. That's why Radiotopia works. Is like, I don't own it. You know, we don't own it. It's your chance to take. We just get to be a part of it. And we like to be a part of things that we're proud of. Our session with Roman kind of felt like a motivational pep talk. But we didn't have to stand on chairs and yell like at a Tony Robbins event. This pep talk was way more chill than that. Thank you. Thank you're you. welcome. No, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy you're here. This conversation was just what we needed. Jen and I were resolved. Investment money, for now, was not for us. Another zig, and then we zagged. We knew that we needed to focus on making the podcast, this podcast, stick to the mission, And then if we made it that far, we'd reassess. So we went back to New York and we even put a big red circle around one summer day on the calendar and we labeled it Financial Reckoning Day. But it felt good to know we had the support of not just one, but two collectives, Roman and Radiotopia, who are distributing this show and selling sponsorship, and Civil the experiment using the blockchain to create a new ecosystem for independent journalists. Sure, the whole thing was dicey, but they had given us just enough money to pay the bills, and maybe the token thing would actually work. Anyway, the civil people felt like our people. And some of you, dear listeners, have told us that you are into this idea of exploring what blockchain can do for journalism, too. Manoush and Jen, I'm pulled up on the side of the road, driving home, because I've just listened to the first two episodes of Zigzag. 
probably for the last year of my life, I've been immersed in blockchain. So I'm still kind of trying to wrap my own mind around blockchain as a technology, but the philosophical underpinnings of decentralization and discourse and equity make me wonder if this might be a good fit. It's weird. There's a lot of parallels to what we've been doing and what you've been doing. You're speaking my language. I am absolutely excited to have the opportunity to delve into the other practical applications of the blockchain. I believe that you ladies have the same conviction in what you're doing, and I believe in your cause. And I'm very excited and rooting for you guys. Keep up the, the great work and fighting the good fight. Next time on ZigZag, Matt Lieber and Alex Bloomberg. Podcast fans, you might recognize them too. I'm Matt Lieber. I'm the president and co-founder of Gimlet Media. I'm Alex Bloomberg. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Gimlet Media. And who are you? I'm Jen Poyant. I'm the co-founder of Stable Genius Productions. Oh my God, so am I. That's crazy. Um, you guys, thank you. Wait a minute, you, you guys have the same title? <laughs> what, yeah, yeah, is that bad? Yeah, well. Matt and Alex also did a meta show about starting their podcast business. Do you remember that? Startup season one? Yeah, maybe we got a little inspiration from them, huh? We get Alex and Matt's take on our business next week. Meanwhile, we want you to send us a voice memo about tough financial decisions that you've had to make about your business or at home. Choices, choices, choices. Tell us about the ones that you've made and how. Send us your voice memo. Zigzag at StableG.com. That is zigzag at StableG.com. And we want to tell you, several civil newsrooms have launched their websites over the past month, and they are doing fascinating work covering immigration, dirty money in politics, the cannabis industry, and many more. We've got links to them all. These are journalists who truly care about doing the work and who are taking this big financial risk alongside us. And actually, a group of top reporters and editors even recently left the Denver Post to form their own publication using civil. It is called The Colorado Sun. So welcome, guys. Okay, but back to us. Go to our website. It's zigzagpod.com. You can sign up for our awesome and informative newsletter there, zigzagpod.com. And if the spirit moves you, you can make a donation, too. Click to donate by whichever collective you're into, either Civil or Radiotopia. But either way, your generosity goes straight to the team making this podcast. It's all at zigzagpod.com slash donate. You can see ZigZag behind the scenes and talk to us in real time at ZigZagPod on Instagram and Twitter at ZigZagPod. We love hearing what you think or questions you have about how this is all working. We're trying to answer them as best we can. Um, but we're, on a, we're on a journey together here, folks. Okay. This episode was produced by me and Jen Poyant. David Herman is our audio engineer and composer. Matt Boynton also provided audio production support. Our intern is Jordan Lauf. Kat Aaron provided digital smarts. ZigZag comes from Stable Genius Productions in partnership with Civil. We are proud members of Radiotopia. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Thanks so much for listening. part of the process, Jeff. <laughs> so, wait, just... I don't think that our theme music should sound like we're entering a partnership with Donna Summer.
Oh yeah. <laughs> I just wanna stick my fingers in the air. 